Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. Today is Wednesday, May the 4th be with you. Joining us this week, Mr. Bob Ryer. What is all that about? It's actually, more importantly, it's Audrey Hepburn's birthday today. Okay. All right. Star Wars, Audrey Hepburn. All right. Okay. Not close. Audrey Hepburn (laughs) should have been in Star Wars. Audrey Hepburn should have been the emperor. But anyway, John Burkle's also here. May the force be with you, Joey. Yep, you know it. Uh, Mr. Aaron Amos? It was going to be a Catherine Hepburn joke, but I, I felt like it was insensitive. So never mind. <laughs> you were, you were going to do the voice? Never mind. <laughs> and I am Joey Ruccino. Steve Say is still on vacation celebrating uh, Bronwyn's birthday. So I hope they're having a wonderful, wonderful time out there. They might be recovering at this point, Wednesday the 4th, but... We shall see. It is Star Wars Day. Hope you're celebrating with a lightsaber and some blue milk. Um, I had the blue milk at Galaxy's Edge in Disney, and it is gross. Anyway. Yeah, I have a thing about um, blue food. I, I I'll eat about anything. I'll eat all sorts of stuff. But blue food, no, I, I draw the line. I definitely, <laughs> no. We have so much to talk about today. Um, tons of comics, obviously. Tons of news as well. Some around our favorite movies, switching dates, and some movies having new directors and old directors and people switching and blah, 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 blah. Shows canceled. Lots of things happening. We'll get there a little bit later. Before we get into any of that, of that though, it is a big week, not just because it's Star Wars Day, but Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness opens this weekend. And so is the finale of Moon Knight is happening right now. So presumably you're listening to this podcast and then you're going to watch the Moon Knight finale. So from the gang here, let's start with Doctor Strange. How are we feeling about the film? Are we excited? Are we doing any binge watching ahead of time to prepare? How, how are we approaching the big the big weekend, Bob? I have already watched No Way Home with two groups of friends beyond the one extra time I watched it. I have pulled out Doctor Strange to get a look today. I've been rampaging through what-ifs here and there just to make sure I have everything up to date. Already bought a ticket, amazingly enough, a physical, actual ticket. Ah. And actually you're going to see it with Bobby. Oh, fun. You should you should bring the recorder. Yeah. Ah. Go sit in the you bar and the do recorder. a recording. Yeah, I'll ask him. You you both used to do used to go to the bar and do those like forty five minute yeah. reviews right yeah. after the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you should. 
Do it. I'll ask. We'll see what he says. Ask him. He'll be like, I'm retired. Just when I think um, I'm out, they pull me back, they pull exactly. back in. Uh, uh, remember we did the 500th episode and we were like, Bobby, send like a little recording. He sent us a 10 minute, <laughs> <laughs> 10 minute speech. Um, no, I'm just kidding. He's, he's fantastic. Um, John, are you doing any like rewatching of anything before? I don't, I don't know about rewatch. I, um, uh, I, 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 Every year I take my one of my personal days on the, the Marvel May Day, uh, as I call it. So I have the Friday off work. So I think I'm going to go to a, like an early show. So I may watch uh, the first one right before I go. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, I can go in cold, I think. I'll be okay. Yeah. Cool, yeah. cool. Aaron? Um, I never do rewatches, to be honest with you. I sort of just like to go in cold only because – I think I said this before – because I like to – See if the movie in some way stands on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I'm lazy and very busy. But <laughs> mostly the other thing. Um, I because I, I you know, similar to the way we look at books, like when we you know, when we're reading books and we ask ourselves, do we have to go back and read like the last three or four issues to make sure we remember what's going on? I don't feel like doing that for movies. Yeah. Um, so I just want to go on going go blind and hopefully they give enough context for it to stand alone. Yeah. Uh, friends of mine keep texting and they're like, I hear we have to watch what if and I hear we have to watch this and that and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I I feel like the Marvel movies do a pretty good job of being enjoyable without it. Obviously, having watched those things, I'm sure it's a much more enriching experience. Um I just wonder because this one is pulling so many threads, you know, like no one mentioned WandaVision, but I'm like, should I rewatch WandaVision? Like, I, I don't know. That's a like, must. I think so that one's things. a must for people who haven't seen it. Just to, yeah. because from where Wanda was when we last saw her at Tony's funeral, basically to yeah. here, it's something else altogether. Yeah. But I feel like, I feel like if you have zero of that context, other than the Wanda stuff, because I think I think I agree with you. Like that is a whole bit of storytelling that I think is going to be played on here. But I feel like if I'm just like a like a like a plebeian, you know, going into a member of the proletariat going <laughs> in to watch this movie, you know, um, and then like Haley Atwell shows up or whatever, or like uh, Patrick Stewart shows up or something, I'm still going to pop. Like, I'm still going to like be like, Oh, that's so cool that they're in this movie. And then maybe I'll go back and watch some of that stuff. But without having watched those things or kind of know what's going on in the dirt sheets and all that stuff, I have a feeling it's still going to be a very exciting film. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I I was debating over the weekend, like, should I reread anything like like to get in the mood and i was like i don't read any dr strange books and i've never read any dr strange <laughs> books so i it's not something and I you hated the first movie and i hated the first movie <laughs> yeah. so i'm definitely not my, my, a friend of mine sent me like uh everything you need to know about dr strange's like arc in the marvel movies like meme or whatever and i was like thank you so much for sending this so i don't have to watch that like white savior orientalist like uh, <laughs> first film that is i hate i hate it so much um that's not to say that i might not watch it this week just you know because i hate myself but um i i might get to that too so we'll see you can always watch the um, tv I'm, movie from the 70s with peter hooten mm-hmm. there, there were rumors I'm he's seeing- in this movie too no, i'm kidding get them all get them all in <laughs> all. I, I, I'm seeing it Thursday at three 30. Nice. Like I am seeing such an early showing. Um, someone probably because we got, Oh, what are you playing hooky? 
<laughs> no, no. My my last class ends at three o'clock, and I and I pick the movie theater that's like kind of nearby so like at three o'clock i'm like peace out y'all and i'm running out the door <laughs> and i'm gonna go well i figure with like the 20 minutes of trailers i have a good 45 minutes to get but there Mr. Pacino, you know? I, can you talk about my homework no kid get lost nope. Nope. no no he's gonna do an instagram i don't live think i'm gonna make the it through this class no no not now <laughs> yeah send me an email you know that's that's all yeah I, I hope to God no one's like, we have to have a meeting after school for faculty. I'm going to be like, nope, I'm sick. Sorry, Very I'm sick. out. <laughs> COVID. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I got to go. Um, so that's that's my plan. I'm very excited. Um, no, I, I, I'm really excited for the film. I think it's going to be fun. I think that uh, – I think we talked about it after Endgame, but I really didn't like Doctor Strange, the character in the first film. But then I think the Avengers Endgame and Infinity War movies did a really good job making me care about him. And then the what ifs actually also made me care oh, about yeah. him a lot. So so I'm eager to see if that carries over into this Sam Raimi film, which is a whole other thing <laughs> that is crazy to think about. I love that. I saw a quote from him today where he was saying when they were proposing all this, uh, do I even have it in me to make this kind of movie anymore? Do I have the the... The, the staying power to do this and he went yeah i guess so and i guess i want to show these kids how you make a superhero movie and just yeah. laughed out loud <laughs> look if george miller can do mad max fury road at age 75 yeah. you know like sam raimi can do it yeah and he was also talking about uh, the lost spider-man 4 and bruce campbell and bruce playing mysterio perhaps or maybe even craven the hunter it's oh man mm. man would like to have seen that. Was that the was that the vulture? They were going to do the vulture. Well, they went to the vulture in the third one. It was supposed to be the vulture in Sandman, and Avi Arad insisted on Venom. Ugh! Anytime you insist on Venom, you're making a mistake. <laughs> I heard y'all last week talking about that Venom book. I'm like, oh, it's so much fun. Enjoy. And John was like, I read it with my kid to really get those like sympathy points. It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't work for me. You are crushing Sawyer Burkle's dreams, right? Now. <laughs> I'm glad he's enjoying. It. <laughs> no. um, did you see? Uh, it, did you see Venom Three's been greenlit? I, I, I was yeah. so mad. I was so mad. I saw it. I and I, I, I genuinely do want to watch the second one. It's not streaming no, anywhere though, so I can't. It's I can't on it. um stars. What the hell is stars? It's one of those oh, stars like with yeah one. with the yeah. Z. One of those. Yeah. yeah, I think it's on one of those. Yeah, I don't have that. Yeah. Nor does anybody else. <laughs> I do. It's part of my package. Oh, nice. I just don't have the That's... on-demand stars. I have the other ones. It's never going to be on that. There's like stars Western and stars yeah. ladies and stars romance and stars African-American and stars. They're like nine stars network with with the same movies on over and over and over again. Great. Thanks. He's not, he's not wrong. No, yeah, that, that's movies. absolutely very dead on, dead on accurate. <laughs> he's absolutely right. <laughs> Is our, are y'all caught up on Moon Knight? Ready to go for the finale? Yes. Nope. Am I the only one? I'm ready. Single one. I'm one. Epi- I haven't watched this last week's episode. I'll watch them back to back probably. Okay. I'll probably the last, do the last same was thing fun. I did with Loki. And that's probably just, just watch them all yeah. when it's done. Yeah. Watch it all when it's done and be like, I don't get what the big deal was. That's what you're going to do. Probably. probably. <laughs> Love the big hippo lady. Mm-hmm. I think it got I, to I, a I, point where like, after I had missed a certain number of them, I was like, eh, just ride it out now and wait till they all come out. And then you watch them that way. After, after yeah. I missed like the third one, I was like, eh, just ride it out. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, watching it as a big chunk is 
just as enjoyable if you have the time you know yeah um it's it's not none of the shows since wandavision has been like must watch tv for me you know i just watch it because it's wednesday and that's what you know it's like oh we gotta do it but um I think the Moon Knight show has been really good. I think the last couple of episodes in particular, like five and far and five were really wonderful. And I was, um, I'm very excited for the finale. I am surprised at how quickly we got here and how much there is still to kind of do in the finale and wrap up or maybe they just won't and it'll just be done and we'll be done with moon Knight, and oscar isaac will show up in some movie down the line so who knows um but yeah no i'm excited for it not as excited for as i am for dr strange but i'm surprised that we're here but excited to watch the sixth episode yeah it feels like the first couple were a bit of a slog and then everything ramped up in a big hurry and as you say it's it may almost seem a little rushed as we get to it they had spaced that some of that craziness into the first two episodes it might have helped there's stuff going on that his performance is incredible performances yeah. are incredible yeah but it does seem like we could have gotten some information seeded into those first couple might have uh might have made it all a more enjoyable week to week watch yeah yeah the it owes a lot to the the Lemire run that I talked about about a month ago. So if you're looking for something to read, that's moon Knight based like that, you're like excited by the show. Like I would check out that one. Um, even the last couple of episodes in the, in the setting that it was in um, just owes a lot to, to that series, um, which was great. And I'm really glad that I read that before this because it really enriched this experience. Anything else on Moon Knight or Doctor Strange? No. I think I'm going to no. have to buy a big popcorn for Doctor Strange. I usually try to keep it light, but this seems like a popcorn movie. Oh, yeah. I think it's going to be two straight hours of just insanity. Yeah. yeah. And I'm all for that because the first one wasn't really that. And uh, I want more of that. So we shall I feel see. like in hindsight, I feel like the first one, they did not know how to enter the world of magic in the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. I feel as though they were, had gotten yeah. their footing with superheroes. I think Thor was based. And I'm basing this on the fact that each Thor movie is, has a different tone. Mm-hmm. Um, one, two, and three, they have a different tone and they, you know, that whole God magic, not really magic aliens. They even tried to ground him in just being yeah. a different type of alien. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they really knew how how to dip their toe in it. But then I think when they saw that it was well-received, that's when Infinity War and, and Endgame, they were just like, well, you know. Yeah, even even Scarlet Witch was uh, an experiment with the reality yeah. stone. So it yeah. wasn't even magic. Yeah. yeah. Apparently the reality stone took away her her accent and made her sound like Kim Kardashian. And <laughs> there have been, there's been yeah. some interviews with her about that. And it's, it's interesting to see them. I, I, I believe they're just trying to backtrack across what they tried to soften her accent. And she's saying, well, it's as she was with more people. And some people do look, Madonna has an English accent now. Right. So it, it'll, it'll so happen. Tina Turner. Yeah. So did Tina Turner for a while. Didn't Gwyneth Paltrow do that too? Yes. Um, yes. The, it's magic. It's a magic spell. Yeah. It's a, it's a, <laughs> the, the, well, the first, the, a lot of the MCU is all science and technology and that's the whole thing. So that magic stuff, they really, yeah, I think you're right. They didn't have a handle on it. And I think that this film 
by leaning into the reality stuff mm -hmm. and presumably the kind of horror stuff as well, I think is going to pick up a lot of that and, and make it make sense. I think WandaVision actually did a lot with that too yeah. towards the end and, and the dark hold and all that stuff. Um, and what if, like I keep going back to what if, but surprisingly it, it did a lot to set up, a newer kind of version of what the magic is and what the universe and reality is. So yeah, maybe I will watch some of that too. Actually. Now I think about it. <laughs> My friend Sam goes, is vocal fry one of her superpowers? <laughs> I was vocal like, fry. maybe. <laughs> Speaking of vocal fry, <laughs> lightning rounds. <Ooh. laughs> it was, it, it was, that was good. it was close. Close. It was good. What are you talking about? All right. Okay. All right. John. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> you got me, Joey. You got me. Yep. All right. Um, I read. I read a lot this week, but two things that stuck out. You got Amazing Spider-Man number one. Really, it's Amazing Spider-Man eight ninety five, but we'll go with it. Um, Zeb Wells, John Romita Jr. making his return to Marvel. Uh, Scott Hanna on inks, Marcio Menez on colors, and Joe Caramunga on letters. So this is a brand new relaunch, and things are not well for Peter and company. Uh, the book opens up with this giant splash page of Spider-Man in a smoking crater, and then you got a six-month-later jump. Peter's broke. May's had to basically downsize everything and is living in a crappy little apartment in Queens, uh, Peter's being chased by collection agents over what happened with Beyond when he was hospitalized for radiation poisoning. Um, he's he's pushing his friends away, uh, including Johnny Storm, who's trying to check in on him. Apparently, the Fantastic Four are pissed at him. Spidey stole some technology that might have linked to that giant crater, but we don't know what happened. Uh, his former roommate, Randy, which must be from the Spencer run, is getting engaged and his girlfriend is tombstone's daughter. And so Peter goes to, if things go bad and, you know, asking for her hand in marriage turned South, Peter wanted to be there just in case as Spider-Man. And of course he gets pulled into a gang war. It's a fun go around. Peter is good when he's down on his luck and he is the unluckiest billionaire ever because I've never seen a billionaire go broke, but Peter Parker somehow lost it all from Parker industries. Um, there was a, I, uh, you know, I don't get surprised much, but they have a, they have a pretty cool cliffhanger with MJ at the end that I did not see coming. Um, I, I like Zeb Wells. I'm a I'm hit or miss on John Romita uh, John Romita Jr. But I always love him on Spider Man and Daredevil. Those are his two go to books, and I'm just surprised Marvel didn't call him a Stormbreaker. You know, even though he's been in comics <laughs> since 1978. Um, but no, this is you know if you're if you're wait if you're missed classic Spider Man, this is a good place to jump on. This feels like a, a classic Spider Man story. Then there's Justice League number 75. Hmm. Joshua like Williamson. <laughs> Joshua Williamson, Rafa Sandoval on pencils, Jordi Tarragona on inks, Matt Herms on colors, Josh Reed on letters. Hey, DC, 
1985 called and they want their event back. <laughs> okay. Wow. All right. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a crisis yet again. Um, you got the Justice League summoned by by Aaron's favorite Justice League incarnate uh, to face the great darkness from the Legion of Superheroes back in the day, the Great Darkness Saga. Uh, Pariah is there. Remember him? Probably not. Um, he is now the avatar of the Great Darkness. And I'm not, uh, I don't feel this is a spoiler at all. He kills the Justice League. <gasps> and the Dark Crisis begins for no reason. I did not. This book is is. It's a good-looking book. Rafa Sandoval is a is a nice artist. Joshua Williamson, though, I don't know if this is a DC commandment or if he just is such a crisis kid like I am. That 1985 event is is so important that he wanted to do his own twist, like Jeff Johns did with Infinite Crisis. But this serves no purpose. It doesn't fit with anything else going on at DC. You get, you know, Diana pulled from the Amazon war. Uh, you get Superman pulled from war world. Uh, John, John Stewart is apparently now a living incarnate of the green lantern energy. Uh, black Adam gets pulled in uh, black canary is getting pulled in and Oliver queen just grabs a hold and jump comes along for the ride and they meet the Justice League incarnate, which I am I I do like that team. Uh, President Superman, uh, Captain Carrot, uh, and his um, I wish his zoo crew was with him, but they're not. Uh, it's just we've been down this road with DC so many times. They need to do something new. They did they did speed metal, which was a crisis. They did or death metal, sorry. Speed metal is the upcoming sequel. Um they did death metal, they did metal, they did finite crisis, final crisis, infinite crisis. There there is one crisis, crisis on multiple multiple earths. They made a cardinal mistake in 1985 by getting rid of their multiverse. They could have used that event to simply reset it up and made it more accessible to fans, but they've made that mistake and they cannot get out of their own way. And Justice League number 75, it just didn't need to happen. Um, And and I, I just, I'm losing faith in what DC is doing. They have these classic heroes and they just don't seem to want to do anything original with them. And, and it's sad because some of their periphery in smaller books, like we were talking about, I am Batman, uh, Naomi, Young Justice or Young Event. Yeah, Young Justice. Um, all these books that they do well, but their big flagship stuff. It's just a train wreck after train wreck. And it doesn't need to be that way. And I'm done. <laughs> all right. OK, so listen, <laughs> Let, well, it, well, Aaron, do you want to go first? Or you go first? Let me let me just give a little bit of <laughs> background for the connective tissue there. So yeah, <laughs> I did I did hate read Justice League Incarnate. Here's the situation: the dark side that exists now is the dark side that killed the Quintessent and is now supposedly the ultimate dark side. 
the combination of all the dark sides of all the multiverses, even the little baby one who, who, who apparently, yes. Oh, cool. Uh, of all the dark sides who now believes himself to be the embodiment of the dark of all evil. Uh, and who is now trying to go and take that throne. But the real dark said, psych, you thought you were coming for me. I called you here. Now sit down. So now dark side has been absorbed into the dark, which has made it infinitely more powerful, which is why it is now coming for the rest of the universe and the multiverse. So that's kind of what's happening. So that's just well, how did you feel about the book, though? I love the art. <laughs> the art no, was good. I did it. The art was awesome. I, I did. I, I didn't have as much of a rage about it as, as John did, but I do have to ask again. Same story as all the others I had about some some things in the DC universe. How does it all connect? Now they did make this sort of little corner that they carved out, this Justice League corner, connect to itself but not, again, to the rest of the universe. Um, I think I, I agree. My biggest concern is that the, the trigger words through all of these books that I was reading through the entirety of this Justice League Incarnate, uh, Infinite Frontier, and this was every time they said crisis because I knew it was leading to what we all said we did not want, and that was another crisis. So to sort of have it be that predictable was a little bit disappointing. Um, because it wasn't as though they were trying to make a mystery of it. And it's now become very clear that every three years they're just going to do a crisis mm -hmm. of some sort and restart thing. However, this time, it's not really even a crisis of the entire universe. It's just sort of happening over here by itself while everything else goes on beautifully, you know, unconcerned. Um, I think the character – okay, I'm going to break it down into parts and pieces. I think the story, I agree, didn't necessarily need to happen. However, if you break it down into its parts, uh, again, the art I thought was great. I think the characterizations of these characters was infinitely better. Uh, I'm redundant. Was infinitely better than what we have been seeing in the the last few Justice Leagues because that was just a shit show. Yeah. Um, I think the the team structure was a little bit better. I think the the individual parts I would have loved to see spread across other stories. I just don't necessarily know if we needed to see it spread across a another crisis story or to take up so much of the DC Universe real estate over the past year or so to, to get here. Um, because I don't think after the whole Snyder dark, insert word here, metal, whatever, situation, I, I would have thought that we would have just settled on this being a universe that we are going to build mm -hmm. out. Um, and this sort of let that happen and let the characters be the characters for a while. The, the difficulty with the Justice League, the way it has been worked up over the last several years, is that you only call them in for crisis. That's the, that's the only story anyone knows how to tell for them. Yeah. Um, because there's, there's, no more, there's no more of this desire – to have them be street level. You're never going to see Superman stop a bank robber again. You're never going to see Batman, you know, stopping street level things with them again. You know what I mean? You're, it's always going to be, it's always going to be extinction level 
things that they're fighting. That's the only story that we know how to tell now with the Justice League. The problem is everyone tells it differently, and it's obviously redundant. And after a while, if you're not someone who can just enjoy the individual parts and just sort of forget about everything else, it it's a waste of your money. Because like John, I hate to say it, but yeah, like John, well, I don't hate to say it. I agree. Like John said, it you could have just. Read <laughs> I hate to agree anyway. with John. But <laughs> I hate to agree with John. But no, but um, <laughs> it it is just a repeat of another crisis story that I don't think needed to happen. Sure. I would have loved to see these two to just let go to do whatever it is they wanted to do because mm-hmm. this art is stunning. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and Josh Williamson knows the DC universe. Right. Yeah. That's why I, I expected more from him with this book. This felt like just a cut and paste crisis story. Yeah. And it's not even of the, I mean, there's crisis stories that predate the original crisis and it was just the JSA justice league crossovers. If they would have used this as an avenue to bring justice society back, yes. I would have, that would have been yeah. better. Take this story forward. Don't tell me the same story over again. They could have connected so, this to the Hawkman story that was uh, several years yeah. ago where they did have the uh, Justice Society sort of front and center again and connected all through that, through Infinite Frontier and all the way through. But mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. I just – there were too many mm-hmm. characters. They were trying to give everyone their minute in the sun. I don't think Martian Manhunter had a single line in this entire – Wow. Not a single I line. I think his line was – Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I really, I don't know if Wonder Woman uh, had more than a few lines. Zatanna didn't have a single line. Zatanna said, "My magic doesn't work," and That's I right. wish she had said it backwards, yeah. but it, it wasn't. <laughs> um, so I, I had a good time with it, mm-hmm. just to provide the other side of it. Um, I was reading it, and here's my experience with what's going on with the Justice League stuff right now, and that is the DC Infinite. Frontier book was that what it's called? Yeah. Was it called yeah. Infinite Frontier yeah. from last year yeah. when I read that, which I loved. Yeah, it had great. zero context for. Didn't un- recognize any of the characters, but I met them all. The the Justice League incarnate stuff and President Superman and all that stuff. Really enjoyed it. Was really into it. And then, like I remember at the time, I said on the show, I was like, "So what's next?" And we were all like, I don't know, but we'll see. Uh, Cause Bendis was doing his justice league stuff and everything. And now here we are. I pick up 75, not having read anything, just hearing you all talk about the Bendis run, um, everything. And I started reading just justice league 75. And I was like, this is it. This is the sequel. to DC Frontier. <laughs> this is what I've been waiting for. Um, when flash ended up on the planet with the moon, with the, all the multiverses and, and the dark side, who was like, I am the, the dark side, but not really, uh, you know, like I, I, I was like, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for. And watching that play out in really wonderful artwork and everything. I was like, this is fun. I was having a really good time. I still hate Black Adam. Like, I just I, I, I hate that character. I don't I, like the, uh, the book opens with him being like, who dares? Who dares? Could that be from the-? And I'm like, I hate you. I hate you. I don't know what I'm reading that Legion of Superheroes versus Justice League book. Yeah. Same thing there. I'm like, why are you here? I hate you. Um, so I'm reading the book. I'm like, whatever. Fine. The the art is wonderful. The characters are great. The premise is great. I'm into it. I don't really have any of this context that y'all are talking about, which again, hearing you say it, I get. Like I understand how this book 
is just another instance of doing this same story again and again and again. So much so that as I was reading this, I was like, why does this feel familiar? And it wasn't because of the crisis books. It's because this book draws on like the Marvel event formula Mm. in a lot of ways too. And I get to the end of the book when black Adam already my favorite character (laughs) in the whole book gets thrown down from the other universe, slams into the, just the hall of justice laying on his back. And he's like, the mo- the Justice League is dead. Thanos is coming. You know, like it's like I've I've seen this before. I've seen this before, and I've also seen the like I was getting Secret Wars vibes. You know, from yeah. this, like everyone gets wiped out at the end and all of that. So it, I, I get that it feels redundant and it feels like it's just again doing the same thing over and over again. Um. I still had a ton of fun with it though. And I think the energy of the book and the energy of the artwork, in my opinion, is some of the most dynamic art I've seen out of a DC book in a long time. Not counting the, the, the young, the young justice stuff. Cause I think a lot of the energy of this book is drawn from that art style too. Um, so I've, I, I really enjoyed it as a, as a first issue, number 75, whatever. Um, but then I got to the end and it was like to be continued in dark crisis. Number one. And I was like, ah, what the hell? Like yep. I was, I was having a good time here. So we'll, we'll see if I continue reading it, but I, I thought it was an energetic issue with a lot of really crazy stuff happening. I do think that our buddy that, you know, saved the day and then got slammed. Mm. I think he's, I think he's, I think he's actually dead. Again, I, I believe you're right. I do too. I believe because right he, that happened before the fake deaths of yeah. the actual justice league. That was a, what do you oh, mean? Yeah, They're going to bring him back, Joey. I don't know. <laughs> Alternate reality, maybe, but like that, I actually found that scene very moving. Yeah. That moment when he was like, I'm doing what I always do, save the day. And he does it. And I was like, that was awesome. And then boom, I was like, this is crazy. Where'd that guy come from? Yeah. I, I was like, I was shocked by that. I genuinely oh. gasped out loud. Yeah. Um, and then Black Adam rolled up and I was like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't turn in one panel and like, go see my movie and fall. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's how that feels like that. He did have a really cool line though. When black Adam was like, listen, new God time to face the justice of the old gods. Yeah. I was like, all right, that's a cool line. I still hate you. <laughs> I think that it continues in uh, free comic book day, which I think yeah. is this weekend. This week it's yeah. dark. Yeah. Uh, dark crisis special edition. Special zero edition. Comes yeah. out this week. And then the wait, wait, number wait. W- so that's not Dark Crisis number one. That's Dark- zero. It's a zero. That's issue. zero. And then Dark Crisis one isn't until June, which feels like it's a long ways away, but it's really not. No, it's next month. Yeah. yeah. It's, so yeah. then, what's is there going to be a Justice League seventy six? No, there's nothing solicited. Oh, so Dark there Crisis are some one shots where all the characters get to have a one shot. All right. Yeah. Well, speaking as the individual and coming on the show fall of twenty twenty two, Justice League number one. Well, I don't want to fall behind on this, but speaking as the individual on the show that read all of Civil War number two, I read Civil that. War two for us, and and read Secret Empire for us, uh, maybe I'll do Dark Crisis for, for the good of the order. I reviewed every one of those on the website. I was right there Secret with Empire? you. Secret Empire, yeah, Secret Empire yeah. and Civil, Civil War two, yeah. 
Well, Civil War Two at least had the who did Marquez. Who did the artwork? Dave Marquez. Marquez. Dave yeah. Marquez. That was stellar. Secret Empire had a tougher time with the artwork. I think Sorrentino did some of it. That was good, but it, there was no some of it. There was no consistency. There was like yeah. yeah. Sorrentino is not a. 11 issue no and event comic artist and he's not know? really a superhero artist exactly um yeah i was thinking about secret empire the other day i don't know why probably bad choices that's probably why <laughs> all right okay any, uh, and i i i um well, bob any thoughts on justice league 75 I, <laughs> does it make you want to read I, it <laughs> no i uh scan through it at the store read a lot of the articles and it's we saw this coming sort of you know it was let's use the ideas we were going to do with the 5g and then bring the kids in and we'll do something here we'll give them their mm-hmm. place in the sun for a few months and just as john said come for holiday buying season there'll be trade paperbacks available and we'll have a new justice league like uh, mm-hmm. gee yeah. Fool me fourteen times. <laughs> it's like no, I'm done. I am, did anybody, I'm did, done. did anybody read uh, Flashpoint Zero, the new one? No, I did because mm-hmm. it, it was Jeff Johns and Edward Eduardo Rizzo. First page: Thomas Wayne Batman has like a giant chalkboard, and on it says five G averted. And it's like, <laughs> like that was my first goal in life. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Amazing Spider-Man sounds fun. I can't believe John Romita Jr. is doing Spider-Man again. I know. Uh, it's wild. What? I think they'd move on. Why does it seem like the go-to for Spider-Man reboots is to sink him deeper and deeper into despair? I don't know. <laughs> it they seems make, like that is the thing for Spider-Man. You read, you read all the Marvels. You know why. Because that's the storyline. <laughs> that's the Peter Parker storyline. He has got you, to suffer. The Parker you cannot line. kick him even more. And th- this book... Just kicks him in the nads again and again and again. And the last kicks him in the nads. And the last page. Oh, criminy. Well, not the last page, because there's one of the they did a like a um post credit scene with Doc Ock in this. That that's kind of good. But no, the, yeah, I mean Peter needs to be down on his luck, but I don't know if he needs to be this down on his luck. <laughs> how does, I, I without spoiling, I don't know how the I, I know what the ending is. I don't know how that happens. I'd like to know that. Uh, well, well, you got to pick up Amazing Spider-Man number two. I guess. Yeah. Yep. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Bob, would you like to go next? Okie dokie. So, <clears throat> just one book and then a ramble this week. So, first up, Ms. Marvel Beyond the Limit number five by Samira Ahmed, Andre Genolet, Triona Farrell, Joe Carmagna was for me. Perfect conclusion to this really nutty miniseries, especially considering, and in a fun way, though, how all over the place the whole thing was. Uh, The finale leaned right into that. A great co-star turned by the unstoppable Wasp herself, Nadia Van Dyne, cameo by Stephen Strange, and it's his efforts that helped to curtail the rampage of the other dimensional visitor-seeking vengeance, Karen. I hope it's Karen. Well, maybe she shouldn't be Karen. There are too many Karens. Um, But it also got us into some real multiversal shenanigans, but more importantly, Samir Ahmed's script gave readers a whole lot of wonderful little Kamala moments. We get a cliffhanger, and uh, there's a promise of more to come, 
And I really do hope that this creative team will be back. I, I really enjoyed all five of these. I think they'll be a great read combined. All righty. Um, sit your phases to ramble, folks, because here we go. The Trial of the Amazons thingy wound up over the last two weeks, and I have thoughts and feelings. This is going to be spoilery, so if you haven't finished this run yet, you might want to skip ahead five minutes or so. All righty. Okay. For those still here, across the event, there were some fine moments from some special creators. And I'm not going to say much because there could be editorial fiat involved, so I'm not going to blame anybody or say anything. Uh, I also don't want to throw the made-from-clay baby out with the bathwater. But I have some major issues with the whole enterprise, both dramatically and thematically. Spoiler here. Hippolyta has been murdered. Yeah, I know it's comics, but she was poisoned and then cremated. So, what? there's that. It also turns out that the perpetrator was Artemis as part of a plot cooked up by Hippolyta. (laughs) So, in the tumult following her death, Hippolyta figured that chaos would, would emerge through Doom's doorway and the various tribes of Amazons would have to finally unite. I mean... That seems reasonable, right? Look, look I, I, I just want to preface anything else I say here. I have no issue at all with Nubia being the queen of the Amazons, as she's been criminally underused for 50 years. But honestly, Hippolyta doesn't even try another solution? What happened to Gail Simone's don't wound if you can kill, don't, you know, mm-hmm. don't right, all that. Don't kill if you can wound, don't wound if you can subdue. I always mess up. Don't subdue if you can pacify and don't raise your hand at all until you first extended it. There's none of that? Oh, I'll just let someone murder me and that and that'll that'll be better. Uh, I won't go down my Wonder Woman origin rabbit hole again for the 400th time, but I think this is really undercut what William Elizabeth Marston created with their version of the Amazons and having Diana brought to life through a mother's love, for goodness sakes. And since the new 52 relaunch, DC seems to have really made it a point to remove all those major touchstones that made the Morrison's version of the Amazons unique in the first place. Now, sadly, I thought that recently Becky Clune and Michael Conrad were really hitting their stride on the regular Wonder Woman title. But now I find myself really torn as to whether I'm going to continue. So that's it for me. Wow. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Aaron. Tell me why it was uh, long. Or not. (laughs) Um I don't know. Those 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 hesitant uh um (laughs) might might say that he agrees with you. So here's the thing. (laughs) (laughs) Listen. I felt like this was Bizarro Amazons because I read a lot of this in one sitting while sitting in the sun on my deck, you know, having a drink, you know, just going through it. And I do recall myself saying, huh? What? <laughs> why? Why would it went? Uh, one of the aspects of Nubia's run, her most recent run that I did not necessarily love, and I think I mentioned this in a previous show, is that the Amazons are depicted as a bunch of mean girls, mm-hmm. um, which I, I I don't understand. And so then when they are all brought together, 
I get that they are all warriors, but they are bigoted, classist, elitist warriors. I I couldn't understand that either. So I was like, okay, well, what what world are we setting here? Because how could you get a Diana from that upbringing? It didn't make sense to me because they were all being very, very condescending. And it wasn't even though it wasn't even being positioned as political, but really like they were trash, basically saying you are you guys left us. You are trash. You are beneath us. I don't know which version of the Amazons you're drawing from to get that. So that bothered me. I also didn't like Diana. I never liked Diana being drawn as uncertain of herself or subservient to someone or having to justify or explain herself, especially since, as you said, in the most recent issues of of Wonder Woman, she had hit her stride again. She's found her way back to the mortal world and, you know, she is understanding what she needs to do and she's got the answers that she needs. In this, she seemed very young and uncertain and unsure of herself. Um, and the way she was spoken to by the, by, was it Faruka? Whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, that, it all just seemed so out of place, especially considering what they had already gone through to establish their relationship in previous arcs. I, I didn't understand it. And the whole use of Artemis, the way Artemis was used, Maybe this would have made more sense had you made it a little bit more twisty and turny um, to to get us to that point or put more behind it or make it or, or as you say, about make it more clear that there was literally no other option that they that they had to Harry Potter this thing and kill Dumbledore. Spoilers. Um, but it didn't get there. Now, the other thing that bothered me is none of the Wonder Girl books were about Wonder Girl. Well, not about that Wonder Girl. They're all <laughs> yeah. about Cassie. Yeah. So and she investigates that, the murder, right? Exactly. Yara Flor was almost non-present in any of these books, yet somehow at the end of the story, there is this I don't know this sort of connection between you know the two she and Diana that was never earned. They've barely know they barely spent ten minutes together before having to enter into this battle and this world. She had not Diana had not been aware of what Yara had been going through with the Olympians um, and why she has her position. I do not understand why Donna Troy was in the role that she was in. I didn't get that at all. She came with, she came with Yara and crew. She was positioned with them as they all approached. Yet she then was going to fight for what? It didn't, it, I don't know. This didn't seem to make sense to me in the voice of, the Amazons as we have known them. We, I recognize that they are, are warriors. I do get that. Uh, and I expect them to be warriors, but I expect them to also be, to be warriors with honor and, and with, you know, all the other tenants that the Amazons have been, you know, characterized with, 
over the years in the DC universe. And this was not it in many, many places. There were some, I will say this, and as I went through, because I read most of this in one, actually I think I read the whole thing in one sitting. There were some moments that I thought were were pure. I think there were some Diana moments that I thought were good. I thought there were pieces and parts that were good. Um, I think some of the storytelling mechanisms in the Joel Jones stories were better than almost all the others. Agreed. Um, but I think overall, this was a this was an event, almost a crisis of choosing, not of need. Um, uh, so, and, and then wrapping it up where everybody's crying it out at the end after like one situation. I don't know if that made sense to me. Yeah. No. yeah. So, so now what's next? Uh, I wish, you know, I wish uh, uh, there was some signpost that would tell us. Uh, having well, sort of rec- book is this week. Yeah. Uh, her, yeah the carnation special. One. Yeah. Having, it's supposed having, to be continued there. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Having wrecked everything in essence, you, these are not the Amazons of forget the Morrisons. These aren't George Perez's Amazons either. They were mean. Yeah, and they mean to each mean. other. Mean sort of mean to for no reason at all except to be mean. Yeah, uh, yeah. There, there's I mean, no there's no thought to doing anything else but fighting with each other. If you bring yeah, them all I'm together, I, I know you couldn't have an event of having Hippolyta talk everyone off off the ledge and making something out of it. Having an election. Having another contest, but it doesn't have to be a brutal one. It doesn't have to blow it up. You don't have to get yourself murdered. And again, it is comics. She'll be back somewhere down the road, I'm sure. But in the interim, they've done so much since the New 52, as, as far as I'm concerned, into making Wonder Woman and the Amazons nothing but ruthless warriors. This is how this would almost have to play out. But for those of us who've read lots of Wonder Woman over the years, this is not what... It's not what it was created to be. It is not what it was recreated to be by, in my mind, better creators than we have working here. George Perez understood, and he had he had some help with with Len Wein and and Greg Potter, and and then took over the book himself. But he was someone who did a lot of study beforehand, added his own bits to it, and that kind of worked. And maybe this works for somebody now. I know there are people who love what they did over the last ten years or so, but that's just strikes me. Yeah. Really bad. But but I will even say this. I I will even say the Cliff Chang. Who was that? Uh, Cliff Chang. No, who who, the writer? Brian Azzarello. Yeah, Azzarello. Even in that run, even though that's not what we were accustomed to seeing, there was still this the the bond and the relationship of the Amazons. They tried to change their overarching history. But mm-hmm. even then, there was a, there was still the sisterhood that was there, and yeah. there was still this but sort of. Of course, that, that was sort Diana. of that was punctuated though by uh, a ruthlessness. Yes, that so that I couldn't read it after after the after the uh, kidnapping oh, Russian sailors, and yeah, that was yeah. that was it for me. Yeah, I was yeah. done. Yeah, that was that was problem. That's what I was talking about. They trying to change their history. Um, that was problematic, but yeah, I don't I don't know. This just. Uh, even with you got Donna snapping at Diana, I'm like, did she literally just pull you back from the dark side? Yeah. Why are you? What's happening? Uh, I, yeah, I don't know what this was was supposed to be. I don't know why it needed to happen. Um, if this was just supposed to be a, a vehicle to bring back Nubia, all right, I'll suffer it because I wanted Nubia back. Yeah. 
But, and you could have made Nubia the queen yeah. and just have Hippolyta go on vacation or go somewhere with Diana or just be the ambassador. Or become to- Wonder Woman and dress the state. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I just I, – again, I think if you uh, – it just really took me out of it to see the way they treated each other. There was clearly a a big bad for them to all unite against, which they could have done. But instead of recognizing that the big bad was coming, their options, their choice – instead of uniting, using that to bring them together, was to figure out who would be the last Amazon standing to fight mm-hmm. the big bad. Yeah, have a cage match and snipe at each yeah, other in between. Sense me. Anyway, but yeah, I was wondering where we were going to land on this, and I was sort of yeah. just like, um, I don't know what this was supposed to be, but it wasn't. That's a but shame that it's, it's the, the sort of finale of her anniversary year, and this is where we're at. Yeah, it was troubling. It was troubling. Oh, well. There's that. But I, well, number like, number one. Yes. So, I do like seeing... Uh, I did like seeing Cassie more, though. I did like... I will say, I did laugh out loud when Artemis threatened Cassie, and she's like, you do realize I'm half God, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, in case you forgot. So... Yeah, I don't know. There was, like I said, there were some moments. Mm-hmm. There, there were some moments there. Some I didn't quite understand, but there were some moments that I thought could have been built on by Warren. But yeah, well, yeah. And again, it, who knows? As John was saying about the Justice League, where this comes from up top, as opposed yeah. to completely craved. Did someone say, "Well, we need to get to here because we're we're doing this"? And so it did seem odd how disruptive it was to the stories, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sort of yank everything. Yeah. Well, I have to go yeah. home right now. Forget all this stuff that's going on with Doctor Psycho and different Wonder Woman yeah. running running around and doing bad stuff. And you know, we will we'll get back to that maybe. There yeah. should have been a drinking game where Diane, where every time Diana said this was all my fault, you had to drink something. You'd have been. Like, <laughs> oh, I, I, I'd have passed <laughs> out. Oh gosh, <laughs> you'd have been shit faced by the time this was over. Wow. All right, Aaron. All right. Your turn, Aaron. Do you want to go? Do you want me to go? I'll go. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Take the floor. Put me at the back. All right. All right. So I was very happy to see my first book come back because it's been a while. Shadow Service number 11 by Vault Comics. I know that I was on this uh, by myself, Kevin Scott, Corin Howell, uh, and Triana Farrell. I know that I was on this book by myself, and I don't care. It gave me a lot of the Buffy charm vibes, and it was something that I, I thought each episode, each issue was going to be my last, but I continued, and I'm not mad that I did. So we got Gina Meyer, just to give you some background as a helicopter flies over my house in D.C. Um, <laughs> we got Gina Meyer, who is essentially this woman who, as a child, realized she could do witchcraft. You still don't have a background as, or an understanding as to why or where it comes from but understood that she could do witchcraft and she didn't know how she knew it. She just knew she could. Uh, This is something that she parlayed into a career as a private investigator, which is kind of where we pick up in the first arc and a half of the previous of this, of this run. Uh, We're on issue 11. Like I said, Um, a lot of things happen there. She finds herself working for this organization called MI666. It's exactly how you, how it sounds um, as a secret agent. Um, And in this issue, Specifically, their next mission is to uncover who is the mole in the organization by setting this trap and trying to meet them um, and get them to sort of flip, uh, if you want to call it that. But her true mission, the reason why she's suffering through all of this secret agent stuff, 
is to get to the bottom of exactly what I said earlier. What is the mystery behind her past? Who was her mother? And essentially she's getting assistance from her dead ghost friend who was a major character in the first arc. Uh, but um, I, I like where this is going. I, I don't know how to describe it. I think at the time I remember reading this first couple of issues thinking, okay, this seems to be kind of one note, but over the issues it's added layers to it. Um, I don't know, as you've gotten to know her a little bit more and it does hit those buttons that I, you know, you used to, to, to sort of latch on to watching Buffy and watching Charmed and, and all those things sort of pack into what. So I'm enjoying it. Uh, there was a pretty interesting cliffhanger uh, at the end of it. So I'm kind of wondering where that's going to go. But, you know, they are raising the stakes with each with each you know issue. So I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, I also read a bunch of X-Men stuff. Uh, that's what I'm going to call it, a whole mess of stuff. <laughs> uh, by a bunch of writers. So I think I read the last few X-Force, the last uh, few Marauders. Uh, I'm sorry. I think the, yeah, the last few and then the first from Steve Orlando. Immortal X-Men, X-Men Red. And here's what I'll say. I still got a couple of things to catch up on. Here's what I'll say. I was going back to the conversation that the group was having um, about where the X-Men are and then coming into Immortal X-Men and seeing how that um, is sort of reinvigorating thing, things. What I noticed is as I read, and I don't think I would have noticed this as a, as reading things individually, I noticed as I read them all collectively, what is happening from the perspective of the birth of a nation, the Krakoa thing is they are literally going through all the parts and pieces of, of, of the, the growing pains that any nation would have as it's, mm-hmm. as it's trying to form itself. Everyone starts with a, this beautiful objective of building this utopia, this wonderful land of the free where everyone is seen. But then you realize in order for that to happen, you have to make everyone happy all the time. And they're realizing that that's impossible. And so now everyone's realizing the nuances in their opinions and in their objectives is what divides them. Um, I think reading it as a block like this and seeing how even those people that align are, still divided, even though uh, Kate Pride and Emma have been besties through all of this, there's a little bit of a crack in their relationship popping up, you know, here and there. They realized, and I think it was interesting that Sinister was the one that narrated that. Um, I think it's it's made it more interesting now as we're sort of going into this sort of next phase. So I'm kind of, as I was reading this, I was realizing that I was, the reason why I kept going through the X-Men stuff was because, all right, this is actually kind of bringing me on and then we had ball Catherine Hepburn show up in one of the most in, in that book and I was just like okay well now I'm in because she's cracking me up but you know <laughs> I'm sorry what oh should I spoil it is okay. it who I think it is uh hey sis yeah okay yeah 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 yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul Catherine Hepburn <laughs> <laughs> I was like that can only be one person <laughs> <laughs> that's what they referred to her as that's what he called her he called her ball Catherine Hepburn which which book was that in um was it in um Marauders I'm not surprised uh, so, <laughs> so um yeah I actually I'm kind of I'm 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 back into the X-Men that's what I'm saying I still got some things to that's read to um I yeah there are obviously some areas of growth um X-Men in and of itself I this whole Captain Krakoa thing whatever but, you know, the other stuff I'm, I'm, I'm into. So we'll see. Last thing, uh, the good Asian, 8, 9, 10. Joey, what's their name? 
Porn sick Peugeot show. There you go. Uh, so, <laughs> because I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm not embarrassing myself. Um, interesting. I, 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 I read the first seven of these for the year end. I think first six of them for the year end. Um, and then I kept going because I was really enjoying it. The story of Edison Hart, just, you know, cop, Asian cop who's, you know, in Chinatown and San Francisco and, and sort of having to navigate you know, what it means to be a police officer, what it means to be, you know, Chinese and what it means to be a police officer in Chinese in the 40s, um, which, you know, has its own issues because of various acts and such. <laughs> know your history. Um, in any event, this sort of became this melding of a variety of different things. This story became this melding of a variety of different things from a, um, a, a noir mystery where we're really trying to figure out what happened to this missing girl, what why is it a little bit why is the story of what happened to her a little bit more complicated who's all involved how you know what roles are who's on the right who's in the wrong what what's the shades of gray in between and what i found is i got to this the final issue number 10 is that this was sort of a, a perfect combination of i say perfect combination not always great but a perfect combination of uh, race relation race issues uh with intermingled with personal issues intermingled with class issues and, and, you know, wrapped around a noir mystery story that I think just sort of, I thought it was smartly written. Um, I thought it was, you know, entertaining. I, I did find myself as engaged in the last three as I had been in the first. I actually had to go back and read, I think, or skim through seven, six or six and seven, just to make sure I understood what was happening. Um, I do like that we did not get the happy we got an ending we got some sense of finality but we did not get a happy ending we did not get everything all wrapped up in a bow we got a good mystery we got an interesting mystery and i liked that it. it was um the way it unfolded um but i also thought um i don't know i, I felt that it didn't heroize or demonize anyone does that make sense mm -hmm. um it it everyone was shown for who all the characters were shown for who they were the goods and the bads and everyone had a bit of each to share um there was no hero there may have been a protagonist and antagonist but even that sort of flip-flop from line from from story to story um, i enjoyed it i I'm, I'm tempted to be honest with you to go back and read it all as one uh sort of story because i feel like i probably missed um, a few cross threads as I was going through, um, mm -hmm. you know, and catching up because it is so com complicated, so complex, and there's so many different characters. I know I had to look at the legend uh, initially several times just to make sure that I was not confusing, you know, Woodward's with Caraways and all that stuff. So I, you know, I just, yeah, uh, I had to, to sort of almost take, keep a chart, but um, I enjoyed it. And I just sort of wanted to see what others' opinions were. Mm -hmm. When you, sent the message in the thread about good Asian, the finale, I was actually planning on waiting for the trade to come out and then kind of doing the reread. But when you said that you had finished, I was like, all right, I'll just do it. And like you, I was like, but I feel like I haven't, I don't remember stuff. So I went back to one and I read one to 10 Sunday afternoon. Um, and it definitely helped a lot because the book does have a lot of twists and turns in it. And the twists and turns are not always, clear it's not plotted 
It's funny. I read, I've read so much criminal, you know, and I've read so mm-hmm. much like of these noir pieces from these like really wonderful creators, but those narratives always tie up mm-hmm. and all these like noir kind of store detective stories always tie up. Sherlock going all the bit Sherlock Holmes stuff, but like always tie up with like, here's the big reveal and here's the big bad. And they were behind it all along kind of thing. And the good Asian pushes against a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. And anytime you think like that's that's what's happening, it's this political thing, or mm-hmm. it's this thing, or it's this like you know secret person who you didn't know, like it, it pushes against that. And even the big reveal that happens in the quote unquote big reveal that happens in ten with the character that's introduced there, mm-hmm. it's not that big a deal, you know. It's just bad people being bad and good people doing their best, you know. And I think that that's something that the book really does wonderfully. Um, it pushes against the notion of the only good representation is representing them as good, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's a really bold thing for Pichette Schott and this and the team to do. And I think he, he talks a little bit about it in the back matter of really trying to make this really legitimately dark and gritty and heavy world, not because of the crime, which is part of it, but because of the people, these because of the things that these people are experiencing every day, and the discrimination and identity kind of notions that it's doing. So much of the book is not about crime and murder; it's about like hating yourself. <laughs> it's about yes, like the yes. identity politics of being an other in the country, and and that's when the book really works. I think when it tries to do the crime noir plotting, I think it's I think that's actually part of it. It's one of its weaker elements, trying to like get the plot moving. When it takes the time to sit back and stick with the characters and navigate being Chinese and being Chinese American and being a cop, Chinese cop and all that stuff, like that is when the book is really awesome. Um, I loved it. And, and at the end, it's like Edison Hark will return. And I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. Like I'm really into that. Um, I will say that like the dude had like two barrels of lye poured on him. And yeah. he was just like, just a little plastic surgery and I'm good. Not even just that. Not even just two barrels of lie, but he was in a burning building. Burning building. I was like, and he took the he took the thing off. And like that was a really obviously like there's a lot of like symbolism in that moment, of course. But I was like, that's a great doctor who did that work. Um for cash. But that no was less. another thing. Yeah, that was another thing. Exactly. In like some back, you know, room. Yeah. That was another thing that like that big climax happens at the issue seven, I think. Yeah. Right? At the end of seven. So you still have another three issues after that to kind of navigate everything. And I'm like, wow, this book is a is about more than you thought it was gonna be about. Um I love the kind of secondary the care I can't remember her name. Is it Faye or something? The the helper, the the second character oh, um, that helps him out. It's not uh, um, oh gosh. Yeah, I can't remember her name, but like she that the addition of that character, that perspective, so awesome. And when she goes on her little journey to SoCal to like yes. figure out some stuff, like I that was so cool. And I was just like, this book is doing something that like no other book is doing. You know, even all the other crime books that are out there, this one has a very unique perspective and a very distinct mission to it, to why it exists, that it really kept me going along as the book was going. So, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was awesome. And I'm glad that you mentioned it. Otherwise, I would have sat on it for a few weeks. But And it was great reading it back to back. Lucy. Was it Lucy? Lucy. Lucy yeah. yeah. 
So what I also thought it did well was challenge the idea of what it means to be an, an ally. Yeah. Because the whole objective here was, you know, at a certain point you wanted to you, you kept asking yourself, Edison, why why are you so salty towards these people that wanted you to to feel like a member of their family? What what happened? But then you realize there's there's even some complications in that, you know, and how how that is perceived. Is that done? Are there ulterior motives behind it? What what's the you know was that yeah. sentiment relayed by everyone? How you know what I mean? Just sort is it of a savior mentality kind of exactly. Thing? So it's like, what does it mean to be an ally? It's, it's telling me that you you know you understand my struggle and you understand what it means to be blah 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 blah, and you give me all of these things. Does I don't know if that necessarily means that you're an ally. It just means that you're really doing a lot to make yourself feel better about yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and there's a difference. So, you know, remember the, the solution, his solution to one of the characters solution to the problem was funneling money back into Chinatown. Yeah. Just maybe this can make up for all the things. And the other thing that I thought was interesting was that, yeah, there were, there was a lot of shitty things that were done in the pursuit of coming to the, you know, solving this mystery, but there was not one singular big bad. It's like almost everyone had their hands dirty mm-hmm, <laughs> in this mm-hmm. story. Almost everyone had a role to play in pushing this this story, this mystery and this story further and further along. Um, and no one came out unscathed. So um, yeah, I thought yeah. it was interesting. I thought I, I I enjoyed it more than I knew I would or 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 thought I would. But you know, really, yeah, it was good. I really liked it. I'm glad to hear the X-Men books are picking up again. Yeah, again, yeah. I think had I read them individually, I don't know if I would have come to the same conclusion, but reading them while sitting on my deck, having a drink all at once kind of <laughs> helped paint that picture for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, John. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to – I was just concurring with it that now they've – it feels like they've gotten out of the initial happy phase of building a country, and now mm-hmm. they're doing all of the – the the not so popular things and i think you hit it dead on with that that analogy who was this scott summers who's scott's brother that's you know havoc or no, vulcan no. Yeah, yeah the other guy yeah gabriel Gab- no, gabriel the one, yeah the one that was a shiar whatever whatever that was the emperor emperor of the shiar the yeah. third the third summers brother who was supposed to be adam x the extreme right, we don't <laughs> talk about adam x the extreme on the podcast <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think that was Brubaker in Deadly Genesis. Didn't isn't that the one? I love Deadly Genesis. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, Trevor Harrison and Brubaker. Yeah, yeah. Who his? They introduced. Which one? Who who are his people? Because I I don't I don't don't know lineage. Uh, So 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 what happened was (laughs) here um, we go. (laughs) So Mr. Sinister back in like 1993 or whatever was talking to Scott Summers because the 90s were all about the Summers and Sinister and all of that. Yeah. Um, Mr. Sinister was like, "Well, Scott." I wonder how your brothers would feel about this. And Scott was brothers? like, brothers, plural. <laughs> Fast forward 15 years. <laughs> it's like, oh, who's the, who's the Summers brother? Is it Gambit? Is it Adam X? Who knows? Fast forward 15 years. Ed Brubaker, Trevor Harrison do this X-Men Deadly Genesis book. Mm-hmm. And in it, the big kind of takeaway, this was also when it was like, you know, Every year was just piling on Professor X, like what other terrible thing had he done in the past? (laughs) And this book was all about, well, before 
the first Professor team to X go to Krakoa got the got together Nightcrawler and Wolverine and Storm to and and Colossus and that gang and Banshee and all of them to go and save the original team from Krakoa. He got another team with Gabriel Summers and Petra and Darwin and these this other yeah. group oh, of um, mutants <laughs> to be the the another team and they all bit it like they oh, all God. died on the island and Professor X was like whoops and then got the second team to go mm-hmm. do it so that was like oh no big reveal secrets um so then they all get they all get brought back to they then they all get brought back because of you know a lot of reasons yeah. and then gabriel summers ends up being like f you guys i hate you and goes to space and ends up becoming emperor of the shiar yeah <laughs> that's pretty much that's pretty much it yeah oh, scott okay. summers mother was pregnant with him when they were originally kidnapped and so he yes. was raised by the shiar and that's how xavier found him and yeah yes. he's been a he's been a a-hole pretty much since he was introduced Yes, because that big reveal was when they jumped out of the plane mm-hmm. to save Scott and Alex. She was pregnant, and then they got zapped up into space, and that's how Christopher Summers became Corsair, Star Jammers, yeah. Star Jammers, and yeah, that whole story with his mom is pretty awful, actually. Yeah, pretty terrible. So you know, <laughs> anyway, that's the lineage of the next men <laughs> line for you. Yeah, I was just like, I can't keep track. Every time we turn around, there's a Summers Gray kid somewhere. I don't understand. <laughs> Hickman Hickman did an issue with him in the in his book when he was doing the the core X Men book. Early on, yeah, it was when they were up on the moon. Summers. Yeah, they were up on the yeah. moon. Yeah, it's too much. There's, too, there's just he's, too many. He, I, I don't like. I don't like the character. I, I don't, don't either. Think he's got a lot going for him. the The Shi'ar stuff was fine, but to be honest, that whole the Shi'ar stuff and the Dark Phoenix, it's part of that too. Yeah, the Shi'ar stuff for me is some of the least interesting stuff that's X Men adjacent. <laughs> well, buckle up. <laughs> well, yeah so we'll, we'll get into that i guess um but i'm glad to hear that and and i do want to catch up with like marauders yeah. um i definitely fell off excalibur definitely fell off x-force um i caught up with x-force because of when they added colossus to the quiet council and y'all were like y'all gotta you gotta read x-force and i was like okay um but then i stopped again I so, sword is done. Is sword done? Yeah. Sword is now X Men Red. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Okay, yeah. and I think Excalibur X Corp X Corp died. X Corp died a quiet a, death, a dignified quiet <laughs> death. And I think Excalibur is done now. It's Knights of X. Knights of X number one came out yeah. last well, week. I'm excited for Knights of X because mm-hmm. that's the Siberian Nightcrawler Legion book, right? No, that's Legion of X. <laughs> yeah, okay, then Legion of X is the book I want to read. Yeah. What the hell is Knights of X? That's the continuation of Captain Britain and. Excalibur. She's, Not she's trapped in other world. They're, yeah, they're trapped in Again? Yes. No, just her. She got all the rest of them out. And she stayed back. So she's there by herself. And whatever so now they need to say. figure a way to get in there to save her. As you will. Is Marcus Toast still on art? No. Uh, it's, Man, um, I'm not in. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm out. <laughs> Yeah, there's a oh, lot going God. on. Yeah, it was interesting. Kitty called. Kitty was like, or Kate, I'm sorry. I was like, <laughs> I, I thought Charles Xavier was a jerk. I'm like, wait, <laughs> when did that happen? <laughs> I thought you liked him. No, yeah. iconic. Yeah, there's, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Uh, yeah. Ball Catherine Hepper right. is going to be fun, though. I, 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 I she's, <laughs> she's, a, she's making she is a wild character. Yeah. 
when when Morrison introduced her. That was fun. Never forget when Chuck Austin tried to bring her oh, back. Oh God, that line, Joey. We, I read we the Chuck Austin about Chuck. run. I read the Chuck Austin <laughs> run. <laughs> that was awful. <laughs> they had some amazing artists on a terrible run. Salvador La Roca um, at his prime, and uh, that was. Not Polaris good. and Havoc found dupe, a dupe, a dupe in the woods. I'll never forget that. <laughs> that was crazy. All right. Anyway, <laughs> let me. I'll, I'll keep the train going with a little bit more X Men. Here we go. Um, so I read X the X Lives and Deaths of Wolverine. This was the two separate five issue miniseries from Ben Percy. Josh Casera did the art for X Lives. And uh, Federico Vincentini did the deaths of Wolverine. I know, John, you talked about this. Um, the first few issues of each one, mm-hmm. they were all on Marvel Unlimited. Both They just dropped both series, one through five, on it. So I was like, great, I'll read through both of them. Um, when I started reading the books, I was much more interested in the X-Lives yeah. books. Because I think the X-Lives one is the one with Omega Red mm-hmm. and Wolverine. And they're jumping through time because Omega Red is trying to kill Charles Xavier in the past. And Wolverine is going into the past, his his lives to like save. It's, it's a crazy story. And when it started, I was like, this is fun. Like I was yeah. like, this is a really cool, like classic Wolverine story. Like it's a crazy concept, but it's just hack and slash. Let's go. And then the deaths of Wolverine was a Moira story because Moira had gotten depowered by Mystique and then she was on the run and she was getting hunted by Mystique. And then all of a sudden, like this, like um, phalanx Wolverine came out of a portal and was also hunting. It was crazy. So when it started, I was like, I don't know what this is. But then as the two series started going on around issue three or so, I switched. Yeah. And I was like, I'm tired of this Omega Red stuff. Like, just just cut his head off and be done with it. <laughs> and then the Wolverine, the deaths of Wolverine with Moira got really awesome because the, who the Phalanx Wolverine was, like that reveal was really cool. And then like Moira's Breaking Bad like storyline was really cool. And I got into it. And then I flash back to powers of X house of X when there was that yeah. storyline in that book, like 10,000 years in the future or whatever mm-hmm. with that, with how this all connects. And I was like, how did they all of a sudden in this random ass Wolverine miniseries <laughs> tie up that thread in a really meaningful, interesting way. Yeah. Um, so I ended up really enjoying it. I was really glad. I was really glad though. I was able to read it all in one big chunk. Kind of like just I went like one, one, two, two, three, three, four, four, five, five, like all in a day or so. And I was like, that was a really cool story. I wonder if that's the end of Robo Moira. We'll see. Um, but I I was really into that, um, into that series. And Ben Percy on Wolverine, may he may he reign long because we as we all know, he is Wolverine. Um <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and introducing all the Wolverine books, Ben Percy, and he came out and he was like, I'm writing the Wolverine books. <laughs> we were like, is this uh, I remember Aaron and I were like, is this is this a is this a bit? <laughs> is this really his thing? What's up? Um so yeah, it was really fun and it's all on Marvel Unlimited, so you can check it out. Um I hopping over to the DC front. Uh now one through twelve of Strange Adventures is now on DC Infinite Universe uh, app whatever it's called i genuinely don't know what it's called but um so this was the tom king series the maxi series with uh mitch gerards and doc shaner both doing art this was dc black label um 
So this was the book about Adam Strange and his wife, Alana, like in the present. They've just published this, like he's just published his memoir saying like he's the hero of Ran and he saved the world from the Picts or whatever. And um, all of a sudden someone shows up at a book signing and it's like, this is all lies. You know, like you're a liar. You're bringing doom to us all. You're fake. And then that, that, that like, you know, whistleblower ends up dead and it's like, Oh no, what's going on? Who do we trust? Um, and then Mr. Terrific gets involved and Batman and ultimately what the book ends up becoming or ended up becoming is this really, I found palpable meditation on the kind of idolization of our heroes and the way that like the narratives that we tell ourselves to define good and bad and get that narrative to stick. Um, it ended to, for me, first of all, Mitch Gerard's doc Shaner doing some of their best work, like hands down that back and forth, Mitch Gerard's doing the kind of present day, like investigation, like who is Adam strange and then doc Shaner doing the, um, you know, back on Rand story, the, the incredible, like the art for this book is fantastic. And, Tom King, you know, as we've talked about on the show, you read a month to month, you're not into it. All of a sudden, you read it in one sitting and you're like, that was that was awesome. I I this book, I know that like, look, let me say this first. I have zero vested interest in the Adam Strange character. <laughs> I, I I'm sure that if you're like an Adam Strange fan and you read this book, you're like, how dare you, Tom? Exactly. How exactly. dare you? How dare you? <laughs> I do not. I have nothing. That is not me. I read this book as an isolated else, whatever you want to call it, Elseworlds, Black Label, whatever. This book explored themes, told a story that I was very into. The twists and turns, the mystery, the reveals. I was like, this is super cool. Like I was, I was so into this story um, in a single reading. I, I, I remember I read the first two issues month to month, and I was like, I'll wait. And I'm glad I did because I, I, I really, really enjoyed this. The, I, it ends up for me being a really cool Mr. Terrific story, which I was all for because I feel like I really enjoy that character and I don't get enough of him. Um, and the the kind of big shocking reveals in the back three issues or so, I was like, uh, I was I was shook, as the kids say. So, <laughs> Strange Adventures, tons of fun. Um, I'm sure your Adam Strange purist will not be a good time, have a good time with it, because it does some things with that character that are kind of messed up. Um, but if you're looking for, like, a 12 issue, just, like, I, I was really into it. Just like I was with Rorschach and um, the Superwoman, uh, sorry, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow thing. Um, again, not as a Supergirl story, but as a story, I was really into it. Um, last thing I'll talk about is uh, a graphic novel that I actually picked up in the my office uh, in English because we it was end of the year. So we were like, we got to burn through our book budget or else they're going to take it away from us because that's how schools work, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so we were like, let's just – we got to order some books. So my colleague was like, have you heard about this graphic novel called Beautiful Darkness? It came out maybe about eight years ago. And I was like, no. And he's like, well, I'm interested in teaching it. Let's get a copy. So we got a copy. It's about 90 pages. So it's not that long. So I was like, ah, screw it. I'll just read it right now. I have an off period. Beautiful Darkness in French. It's Jolie Ténèbre, which does not translate to Beautiful Darkness. So it's very interesting. Uh, it's by Marie Pompey and Sébastien Nicely Cousin. Nicely done. Um, 
whose collective pen name is Keresquit. Uh, it was first published in 2009, and it was translated by Helga Dasher for Drawn and Quarterly in 2015, I think. It was nominated for a bunch of awards, Eisner's, Ignatz, the whole nine yards. It was really good. Um, so here's here's like the – like if you go to the Wikipedia page for it, here's like the the, the first first sentence of the summary. The protagonist, Aurora, is on a date with Prince Hector when they are suddenly expelled from their home, which happens to be the corpse of a young human girl. I'm in. I'm in. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone else living in the corpse is forced out as well, leaving them to figure out how to survive in the woods. Aurora takes leadership and begins helping everyone she can by gathering food and providing company. So that's actually kind of like, it is kind of a spoiler, but it's only a spoiler for the first four pages. So you open the book and it's like Aurora and they're on a date. And then all of a sudden like this pink goo, like, like starts pouring all over them. And they're like, what's going on? And then they get like shot out. And then like the camera pans out and it's a big splash page of like a, a, a dead girl, which is shocking and triggering just like you would think it is. Um, so then what happens is like all of these little characters are like they come out of this little girl. They're like little jet like little like pint like little flea-sized characters. Like Aurora is like a small tiny thing. So they're in the woods and they like befriend giant animals, like a giant bird and a squirrel and it's like this bizarre kind of like fairy tale. It's like um, it's like an Alice in Wonderland Phantom Tollbooth kind of like art style, like that old school kind of like, you know, um, illustrative style punctuated with these like really graphic reality moments as the corpse erodes and they're using the skull as like a cave for them to live in. And they stumble along this like hunter in the woods and the context around the, that is never explained. And instead you follow these tiny characters as they get like, they, they just get wiped off, like wiped, like they get picked off by their inability to survive in the real world. It is, a morbid, terrifying, bizarre, very French graphic novel that is dark and twisted. And I was reading it and just gasping aloud. <laughs> I was reading it. And I was like, Steve would like this. That That's the kind of book that this was. <laughs> I was like, this, it's a Steve book. It's kind of, it's kind of scary, kind of creepy. Very kind of a, what was the, who was the author? Emily Carroll. Yes. Is that, was that her name? Yes. Like very like that, very, that kind of style of, of narrative, but very French too. So beautiful darkness is a graphic novel. It's very short. You can probably get it um, for cheap. Now it's been about eight years, um, but definitely, definitely worth checking out. And that was my week. Just a day. Just a day. Definitely want to read that one. <laughs> definitely don't want to read strange yeah. adventures, but that's just me. Yeah. If you're a strange, if you're like, oh man, Adam Strange is a hero. This isn't the book. He was created, yeah. you know, back. I, I think it was Julie Schwartz actually created him, but it was Gardner Fox and Carmine Infantino. Mm-hmm. So it was this lighthearted cross between Flash Gordon, Buck Rogers, and John Carter of Mars, yeah. and it was just glorious Silver Age fun. So I did. Yes. I I do believe I did read the first issue of Strange Adventures and was instantly nah, not for me. It's another yeah, one of those to me. It's, it's, just, it's a story he wants to tell. It's a great story, but do they have to always be layered onto these characters where they maybe don't yeah. need that done to them? To be honest, like that's kind of how I now see Tom King. You know, like he, he's in this corner 
And he gets to work with these characters and tell really kind of interesting, often meta stories about heroism. Heroes in Crisis was like, yeah. did he do yeah. Heroes in yeah. Crisis? Yes, he did. Exactly. Heroes in Crisis was like this too. Mm-hmm. And I also really enjoyed Heroes in Crisis. I'm glad Heroes in Crisis wasn't like actually like impacted the universe and didn't end up being like a real thing for a lot of these characters because that would have been bad. Yeah. But I really enjoyed the narrative of Heroes in Crisis. And I, the same thing with Strange Adventures. Like, like uh, there's something about that kind of meta narrative around what makes a hero and how do we like how does how does the media, including this, including this medium of comics create notions of good and bad right which you know and it took me a while to kind of catch on but like those end quotes that he would include were from comics creators right yeah and and each one was kind of talking about the power of comics to reflect a reality of good and bad that we 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 want people to believe or maybe not so i i don't know i really enjoyed it i i it does like I I know though that like it's not Adam Strange <laughs> like and, and and like you kind of have to go in knowing that um, it's the same thing with like I would never like I don't understand why people recommend Watchmen as someone's first graphic like no. oh you want to read comics read Watchmen it's like no 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 like you don't do that like you read that after you have a sense of the medium you know um, and it's kind of the same thing here yeah. I, I read it and I I don't I didn't enjoy it as much as you. It is beautiful. You're absolutely right. And Doc Shaner and Mitch Gerard's artwork is is incredible. I I do have some affinity for for Adam Strange. So I didn't like the twists the last few issues. Um, but I I can understand if you're not an Adam Strange fan, you absolutely would enjoy it and 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 like the story. Uh, so I, I see where you're coming from. I just I that it did not stick the landing for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that X lives and X deaths though. I X deaths of Wolverine was sneaky good. Like I had yeah. no idea what this was. I thought I thought they were going to be like dueling series, but they really weren't. And this was like a sequel to to Inferno and House of X and Powers of Ten. Uh, and I think it's the final issue where Moira shows up at the the classic park scene and she's bleeding out the neck and she's mm-hmm. like f you charles xavier <laughs> i was like that's so good and you bring in the entire dakin other wolverine and scout scout yeah and I, I agree the lives is where i started like i really enjoyed that and the artwork on that is joshua casera is beautiful wow. yeah but it did become <laughs> just just kill one of them or let's just let yeah. Xavier go. I was like, yeah. Jesus. And then like Omega red, like possesses Wolverine. Wolverine yeah. And I'm like, Oh, I'm over you. Like, I, I don't even like Omega red. Like yeah. he's like, Omega red is the kind of character that shows up and you're like, that's yeah. so cool. Look at him with his ponytail and his tentacles. And he's <laughs> so cool. And then like an issue in, you're like, I hate this. Guy. Like I he is definitely so a, over. He's definitely this. a creature of the nineties. Yes. So this is making so much more, sense because i swear to you i there was that aspect of x-force uh-huh the mm-hmm. last x-force where there was all this omega red i'm like i have no idea what they did to omega red but it sounds like they hose them real good and, and yeah he's awfully pissed at beast and i couldn't figure out what was going on the, yeah. these books were were secretly i mean i shouldn't say secretly but they're important if in the grand yeah. scheme and i i i don't think Marvel did them justice in pushing it. 
No. I also, to be honest, hearing Aaron talk about where the X-Men books are now, it feels like they were like, hey, Ben, you want to just wrap that up? Yeah. You know, like, we'll give you these, like, special series, you know, two little five-issue miniseries, and it'll be cool. Just wrap up some of that stuff so we can move forward with some of this immortal X-Men yeah. mm-hmm. and, and move on. Absolutely. Because I was like, oh, yeah, we never talked about that phalanx in, invading the Earth 10,000 years in the future kind of thing. And here we are, you know? Yeah. Um, I got it. And I was like, good good for you, Ben Percy, to be like, mm-hmm. now, I'm, now I'm writing the wrap-up issue, you know? Yeah. I will say, as a person who bought every issue, it is kind of annoying that Marvel Unlimited just like a week after <laughs> just drops them all. That's why, like, that's why I, I don't buy books anymore. I, <laughs> I I am severely reducing things if Marvel is just going to put them right because they put the first issue on. Like uh, I was surprised uh, that I was surprised Death of the Justice League wasn't on DC Universe Infinite. Yeah. And I, I made sure to check first because they, they've gotten me – DC has also gotten DC me a lot. DC gets me a lot, yes. Months. Especially yeah. with the milestone stuff. Yeah. Milestone stuff. Yes. The milestone stuff. And and periodically yeah. they do put their big number ones on DC Universe Infinite. Yeah. They will throw something out there in a minute. Anyway. So I always check those before – and now that the Comixology app is awful – I always go to those two apps first just to see. Yeah. And then I'll go to the Kindle and I'll try and like, I'll try to find the books on the Kindle. All right. So um, let's, let's do our weekly Amazon bashing. One thing I realized no, I hated. No, 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 no. Now, am I the only one? I'm not going to go into the long thing. If you're, if you buy a book, then it says continue shopping. It just dumps you back into the main Amazon. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Moving on. Yeah. Um, anyway, that was uh, cool. Any, any, anything else on any comics this week? Mm-mm. Before we get into news, nope. news. All right, very nice, good stuff, good stuff this week. Um, all right, so let's bang through a lot. It's a lot of um, film and TV news this week. Uh, dates moved around, directors in and out, and obviously some cancellations. Uh, let's do the director stuff first because it's the you know least interesting, I think. Um, so first of all, this is really just for. Just for the family out there. <laughs> but uh, Justin Lin, shockingly, is out on Fast and the Furious 10, uh, which is sad because, you know, Justin Lin really kind of revamped that series yeah. uh, a while back. And he's been working on it for like almost 15 years at this point. So surprised to see him out. The rumor, the negotiations right now are with Louis Letier. Lewis Literary. Incredible Hulk Lewis. Yep. Incredible Hulk Lewis. Incredible Hulk Louis Literary. Um negotiations. That's I don't I don't really know why, but hey, there you go. Uh this movie's being filmed right now. <laughs> like <laughs> he, I, I feel bad. I love Justin Lin and and some of his his Fast and Furious movies are the best of the franchise. But I, when I look at some of the people in that cast, I could see how it could be a bit draining. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other director news is John Watts is out on Fantastic Four, um, which was surprising. But also, I think even when they announced John Watts for Fantastic Four, we were like, again? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the deadline report also says that if they if Sony does move ahead with Spider-Man 4 with Tom Holland and Zendaya, John Watts is expected to return to that. So he's out on Fantastic Four, but if if Tom Holland Spider-Man 4 happens, Spider-Man, I guess, 
buys a home. I don't know what it would be. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Safe at home. House hunters. Yeah. Spider-Man house. Ar- yeah. Um, house he's expected to return. <laughs> house is so, not a home. Yeah, I don't okay. know. I, the there was no there we don't know anything about Fantastic Four so I don't really feel like oh no that's a bummer um, I know Steve wasn't a fan of John Watts being on Fantastic Four to begin with but does anyone have any pressing feelings about well you this? could go right to Peyton Reed who had already done a treatment mm. so you you could throw him in but I I would put if I'm if I was a betting man I would go to FanDuel and say John Krasinski to direct who's gonna be blown away if john krasinski shows up as reed richards in the illuminati and dr strange i I would i would literally shit myself (laughs) in the theater into my bucket of popcorn and then eat it that's how that's how shocked i would be oh wow (laughs) wow that was too far far. too far just a a smidge i i did not think of john krasinski directing and starring in fantastic Uh, after the quiet place i could see it interesting 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 john that was Bob. Oh, no, Bob. Bob. Interesting, interesting, I just Bob. jumped in with the Illuminati because we already know that uh, one Patrick Stewart is there. In his yellow chair. Yes. yes. The, yeah, yeah, which was a shocking reveal, and I think fake. I think Marvel faked us out. I hope so. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah, I don't know. But again, I go back to what I say. Anytime any of these kind of movie news things happen – I'll wait for the trailer. When the trailer happens, it'll be real to me, you know? Mm. Um, so I'm sure they'll have a director lined up in the coming year, probably, because theoretically this movie's probably coming out in 2024, I think. I don't think they let Watts go unless they have a plan. Yeah. Well, I, I John Watts in his statement was like, dude, I've been making these movies for 12 years and I'm over it. So I, I, <laughs> but I'll I, still I think, do Spider-Man. <laughs> I, yeah. But I'll still do Spider-Man because that made me sell money. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't know. We'll see. Um, all right, cool. Uh, also on the Marvel front, and this was a bummer for me, but Ant-Man Quantumania and the Marvels are swapping release dates. Uh, Ant-Man will now be released on February 17th, 2023. And the Marvel's movies will the Marvel's movie will drop July 28th, 2023, which is sooner than I think, which is shocking to me. I'm really excited uh, for that. But um, yeah, they were just like quantum mediums and, you know, closer to being done, I guess. I don't know. Um, Bob, you were saying that you were excited for Marvel's to be in July. Now. Yes, I really think it shows a lot of faith in those characters and that property to make it a summer tent pole. And as you had mentioned, it'll it'll let people see what's happening with Kamala on the show, and that could then increase her presence in the Marvels. So I'm 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 in, and it really Quantum Mania with all the craziness that's going to be happening in Doctor Strange and in Thor and Love and Thunder. Yeah, let let's do some more craziness in the microverses, quantum realms, multiverses. Let's let's go for it. And we just saw Kang. So mm-hmm. you would want to get to that sooner, probably, is my guess. I agree. Uh, have they said anything about Loki season two? Yes. A, yeah, they, I believe I they're that? they're definitely doing it and they're getting ready. Yeah. Interesting. Other news, sadder news, I suppose. Uh, I don't know. I haven't watched these shows. But Batwoman <laughs> and Legends of Tomorrow – both 
not renewed to use a more euphemistic saying then canceled um batwoman had done three seasons Mm -hmm. i think yeah uh, Legends of Tomorrow ran for a while, longer than I thought, but Legends of Tomorrow also getting canceled as well. And then like side note, which is weird because like they just announced casting and it hasn't obviously been released or started or anything, but like Wonder Twins, which we had just talked about a couple of weeks ago, um, also uh, theoretically reportedly canceled as well um, at HBO. So they heard my casting concerns. <laughs> they had to think fast. Yeah, a lot going on at the CW and WB and HBO and all so that. So is that officially so. it then for the Arrowverse or no? Flash? No, Flash is still around. Uh, Technically, the Lois. Superman, but they're not really. Con- they're apparently not as connected as the shows were before. No, they're all on. They're on alternate Earths. Yeah, is Black Lightning still on? No, but Stargirl's coming back for season three. Mm-hmm. I think this summer. But that'll probably. Okay. I could see the the CW closing shop on the Arrowverse, and I could see the CW closing shop. That's true. <laughs> I think all of this is going to end up at HBO Max eventually. Yeah. No. Uh, remember a UPN and whatever oh, that was yeah. before and the Paramount WWE. Network. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Everything yep. merged and had a baby named CW. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor one out for Carolyn. CW yeah. is the only channel in my area that doesn't do HD. Oh. It's so frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bob, did you watch a lot of season three? No, about? I didn't watch a lot of season two either. Um, yeah. The new Batwoman, she was great as the character, but she never got her own story to tell. They were just mm-hmm. using leftovers and let's throw Alice in again and the dad and the whole the whole second season was about finding... Kate and then spoilers they kind of did but they did a whole soap opera thing where she her face was damaged so they did plastic surgery it's a really really uh, you could have had a new Batwoman and tell her story it would have been great really could move on but no that they tied their wagon to the other storyline and that was good when it was the original but it just didn't work and uh, I, I know Aaron had just mentioned Carolyn loving Legends of Tomorrow, and I've watched. Legends of Tomorrow. I haven't watched a lot of it, but every time I watch it, it was great, goofy fun. Yeah, I watched it when it crossed over. Yeah, with me too. You know, and and those characters were always a ton of fun. I love the White Canary. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Now, I've re- and I liked uh, when uh, Brandon Routh was the Adam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then turned into <laughs> Superman too for the crossover. Yeah, yeah. why not? And then they had the uh, Captain Cold and Heat Wave. That was yeah, I, I enjoyed. I think I just watched the first and second season though. Yeah, my understanding is DC Warner's Discovery, whatever they're calling themselves now, are very into finding verticality f- from the comics, intellectual property through television and movies, and they're trying to find someone to run the whole thing. So they're they're trying mm-hmm. to definitely prune the, the the limbs of the tree way back. They want they want their own fight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they do. They need one too. Yeah, but I don't know. I feel uh, like that's been done. I think now yeah. it's just going to be, especially saying it out loud. It it makes it clear that you are setting expectations, and you are setting, and therefore setting expectations for the the viewer. But here's the other thing: people who put in the 12 years or so 
getting engaged in the Marvel Universe. Harvey, I'm not going to do another twelve. They're not doing this again. It's not going to be the same. Is you, you, lightning will not strike twice. They'll make money. Don't get me wrong. We all know they'll make money. You slap a superhero name on a on a movie, and people will show up. They may not come back for the next week, but they'll show up. So they'll make money. But uh, why emulate something else? Just find someone who can give it its own new direction. Why don't you just be forward thinking and figure out what the next mm-hmm. thing is figure yeah. what has not been done what in the comics what in the print media has not been brought to film crisis yeah, there you go i mean i hate <laughs> say to say crisis it. again <laughs> I, I hate to say it but he might be right but no um when, when just, I, just figure it out figure out what don't try yeah. to Carbon copy what's already been done. Yeah, when I, I say Feige, though, on. oh, sorry. Go ahead, John. No, when I said Feige, I was just thinking they need somebody who has like control over it. I don't think they need to do a shared conjoined universe. I just think they need like a master editor who makes sure that everything is kind of being done to a higher standard. Yeah, they need someone who isn't corporate. Right, that's what it is. Like they like those movies have been murdered by executives right you know and you hear the stories all the time with those movies it's the same thing over with sony you know side note morbius comes on digital in a really? week and a half so <laughs> anybody wants to see it i think it's may 17th on digital um <laughs> i will not ruin uh, my tv i'm not gonna <laughs> <Yeah>. watch it <laughs> uh i took i took that bullet for the for the pod too um i, I go back to what i said a couple of weeks ago like and and aaron just your like timeline that you just laid out contextualize it even more why are you going to start a, a joined universe 12 years after that kind of thing was hot? Yeah. You know, like, like it, it makes zero sense to, to try to emulate that model. What would work is get someone in there. Who's in charge of these properties, likes them, that would help. believes in them and can put out, okay, let's do it. Let's do a Wonder Woman trilogy. Let's do an Aquaman trilogy. And in the event that you could find a way to cross them over, maybe in a crisis, maybe, maybe you do that. But that's that should not be the goal because you set up that goal. You set up that standard. You're not going to meet it as they haven't been able to meet it in nope. 10 years. Never. Yeah. And they keep just going back to the and same well and do the same things. And mm-hmm. It wasn't on purpose, but Marvel, having sold off all their major characters to other studios, had to do something else. And you, you, they gave you Iron Man and Thor, and people love those characters. So why, why couldn't there be an Adam Strange movie, or a dead, or a Dead Man movie, yeah. or God forbid, a Batgirl yes. movie? You know, like and I know we're getting the the the, the thing on HBO Max, but and, and it's going to be in the studios now, but not the studios, the, theaters. the, the theaters. movie theaters now, but like that was not their first plan you know like that was originally it was going to spin out of this and it was going to do this and blah 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 and it's like what what I will that say, should have been like we're making a Batgirls movie because we've made 17 Batman movies right. and we're over wouldn't a Gotham so Academy movie our chips like, in this yeah, Gotham Academy would be a lot of fun for a younger audience yeah and I go back to you really want to make it you really want to make a dent Warner Brothers Discovery, you announced you're doing 10 prestige, 10 episode television series with all your favorite DC characters and really get 
amp up your subscriptions to HBO Max and really change the game that way. Because if you're just trying to chase the Marvel Disney you know, mm-hmm. wagon, you're not going to, you're not going to catch up because you forget also that those first four years of the MCU, first three years leading into Avengers, it was all a gamble. And those movies, you look at those reviews and you look at those numbers, unless Robert Downey Jr. was in it. Those were tough. Yeah. They were tough sells. And, um, you're nobody at Warner brothers is going to be like, yeah, let's, let's spin those wheels for four years until we get our legs under us. And then we'll do the big one. We'll spend a billion dollars making four movies that don't make the money back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They'll fire, they'll fire whoever it is and we'll be in this boat again. Let's bring Andrew McCartney from the past and make him into some new superhero. I'm like, let's yeah. <laughs> let's let's ravage the cast of Less Than Zero and see so <laughs> the next big day. <laughs> Jamie Gertz here. There you go, Hippolyta. Jeez. Anyway, do you think that if it hadn't been for I I, I believe in another universe that if we had not had the MCU, that we would still just be getting the same regurgitations of, of Batman and Superman over and over. And we wouldn't have, I don't think we would have gotten a Wonder Woman. Yeah, I don't, probably. I don't think we would have gotten any of those other things because there would I have think, been nothing that would have motivated them to think outside yeah. the box a little bit. I, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. I think we would have gotten a Wonder Woman. I think the thing that made that, it might have expedited it. I think that there's a. I think that there was always the, these characters were going to get, you know, mined at some point. I think the thing that we probably wouldn't have gotten was that Justice League movie and the Batman versus Superman movie. They probably would have been much more capable making those self-contained things, and we would have gotten Man of Steel two and Man of Steel three and all of that, and maybe. I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> Probably not Aquaman, now that I think about it. <laughs> Shazam? Not Shazam, no. Definitely not Shazam. Not the Suicide Squad. You wouldn't have got Suicide Squad. <sighs> Might have gotten the Suicide Squad. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You definitely wouldn't have gotten a Guardians of the Galaxy or Captain Marvel. You definitely wouldn't have gotten any of those movies. Nope. At all. No. no. X-Men, Spider-Man maybe a Captain America, maybe. I don't know. I, I mean, think Thor would have been better than Captain America because you could make it high fantasy and that always sells. Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine Thor done in the style of uh, what was it, Lord of the Rings? Yeah. <laughs> they tried. They tried in the second movie. Mm-hmm. Three hours long. <laughs> of just walking. <laughs> in that Sam Raimi interview, he, he and Stan Lee were trying to get a Thor movie made in the nineties, apparently. And mm-hmm. 14 studios said, uh, no, we're not interested. Bob, there's a great chapter of the, all the Marvel's book where he just goes through all of the things Stanley said they were working <laughs> yes. on. Yes. In the 90s. <laughs> it's like, he, and he would like quote the back letter, like the letters, the soapbox <laughs> letters of like Stan just being like, we're working on this movie right now and it's going to be great. It's looking great. <laughs> Rumored casting will be announced soon. And they're just never followed up on. It was, it was like, like month after month after month. I would say like 25% of what he said actually happened, but like 10 years later. Yeah. <laughs> like, Stan I, was always yeah. hyperbole. Just selling it. Hey, here's the hype man. Yep. You know? um, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting to think what the kind of alternate reality would be without that Avengers thing. You probably wouldn't have Godzilla versus Kong. You probably wouldn't have Morbius, you know. You definitely wouldn't have Morbius, actually. Not Tom Cruise Mummy, we wouldn't have had that either. <laughs> wouldn't have had that Tom Cruise Mummy, you know, because of those, the studios yep. were chasing that, chasing that yeah. dream. Mm-hmm. And it was, a, it was lightning in a bottle. You can't get it again. And even now, we'll see what happens Thursday. But that kind of singular MCU narrative leading to Infinity War might be over as well. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. It has a good pre-sale, my understanding. Yeah. Doctor Strange? Oh, I, it, it outsold pre-sale oh, really? Batman, wow. I saw. Yeah, yeah which, was, which was another reason, I think, for W being, being like, we got we to gotta reevaluate. <laughs> Which makes zero sense because the Batman made like millions of dollars. So, yeah. Anyway, anything else on any of our movie stories? I don't think so. All right. Um, John, I'll hand the, the microphone over to you. Yeah. For a little tribute. Uh, yeah, though, I was just going to say the world lost a master of comics medium with the death of Neil Adams uh, with a career spanning 60 years Adams is one of the most important artists to ever grace the comic page. I uh, started in a popular news strip in 1962, uh, but he soon established himself as an accomplished artist. And in 1967, DC finally gave him a shot on dead man in strange adventures. Number two Oh five. Yet it was Adams eventual teaming with Denny O'Neill that he really became a star uh, when paired together, O'Neill and Adams went from being great individual creators to master storytellers. Uh, this pairing pulled Batman out of the campy, campy 60s and restored the dark mystique to Batman uh, while adding enduring characters such as Ra's al Ghul and Man Bat to the rogues gallery. Uh, this These stories were my first one of some of my first entries into Batman and the cover of Batman number 251 with the Joker looming over Batman on a, a playing card still creeps me out to this day. Um, the two went on then to the now historic run on Green Lantern and Green Arrow, taking the conservative GL and the liberal GA through an American road trip and letting American comic readers see a true America warts and all. Adams it, it, Adam's Batman is probably the Batman of record. I would say it's probably the most classically reinterpreted Batman, the look, the feel, maybe not since Jack Kirby has a comic book artist been so important to comics. Uh, and then his lasting legacy is going to be probably people like Bill Sienkiewicz and some of his other uh, protégés, even though he wasn't just at DC, uh, his work with Roy Thomas on X-Men and then the classic Avengers Cree scroll war are, are two classic enduring runs. Uh, it's sad that we lost him, but he and Denny are reunited once again and no doubt working on something that we'll all get to read eventually. That was beautiful, John. Well yeah. done. Thanks, John. That was great. Yeah. I, when I heard the news and you posted about it. Um, I went right to the Green Lantern, Green Arrow series. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, we also lost Denny this like within 2020. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, man, man, 
Yeah, I, I, it, it's happening. Yeah, we're, we're losing all these people, and Adams. I guess he and Steranko, but I'm going to say Adams more. He's really yeah. the first modern comic artist. He took yeah. the, he took the oh, Kirby yeah. things, the, the 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 ridiculous anatomy that only works in comics, but it, it was so powerful. His layouts, he broke every rule, made up new ones, and you knew you were looking at, you were looking at a Neil Adams page. It was just. It, nobody looked like Neil Adams, no matter who, no yeah. matter who followed him uh, or or who he's influenced by. There's something very special about those poses, those faces, the the energy, and, and the cinematic nature of what he did. Yeah. Just amazing. Yeah, it is. Uh... They they are it is the age. Mm-hmm. It's they've been working for sixty years at this point. So yeah, he was eighty years old. So he's been yeah. you know he he put and he was working right up till the end. He was working on stuff still at DC. Mm-hmm. I have to wonder how he maintained that that con festival regimen. You know, so recent. I mean, right before COVID. I mean, I don't remember a year. Am I am I missing that, Bob? No, I don't remember always had, always had the always stand. had the huge stand, huge tables, uh, holding yeah. court, walking the floor. Yeah, yeah. He was always up. He was always up yeah. and about. I remember. <laughs> I mean, even there, and then he would he even in DC, he would show up at AwesomeCon in DC and had his big table. Um, yeah. several of the years, um, he would just, he, I don't know if it was like in a writer or something that says, I want 30% of the whole floor, you know, for my <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah. And there's a, okay. Yeah. We'll give it to you. There, there was a okay. con out here just, at, uh, called the, uh, called the ACE con. And it came with actually, uh, they did a whole panel. They had everyone in the justice league except Ben Affleck there. So that's when this con was done. And Adams did a panel where, he was sort of creating a page on the spot as people were sort of yelling stuff out from the audience and we get a script together and let's, here's what's going to happen here. And as if it was, you know, 40 years ago, his, his, his artistry was the same as it was just stupendous. Amazing. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, the good ones. Yeah. Any, uh, other closing statements for the podcast Mm-mm. this week? Just what we're looking forward to. All right. Okay. So, in terms of what we're looking forward to this week, what are we picking up, Bob? The Nubia Coronation special, because <laughs> why not? I have to figure out how this all ends. And Rocketeer, the Great Race number two. That's it. It's a light it? week. Wow. Mm. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm getting uh, Monkey Meat number five, <laughs> uh, Twig number one, a new Scotty Young joint. Uh, Iron Man 19, Once in Future 25, Monkey Prince number four. I might spring for Giant Size X-Men Thunderbird number one. We shall <laughs> see. Uh, but but that that's me. Um, how about you, Aaron? Uh, okay. So the pool is shallow again this week. <laughs> Marauders 2, Once in Future 25, Nubia, because, well, I'm already knee-deep in this, so why not? Um, and because I, she's a good thing that came out of this whole situation. Hardware five, because it's about time they wrap that up. I feel like it's a little bit late. I yeah. feel like, I believe. Um, Dark Crisis Special Edition Zero. And then I did, never got around to reading, but I definitely wanted to jump back into the Project Superpowers Fractured State. I, pre- I like the previous versions of it. So I figured I would pop into that again. 
That's it. John? Uh, Batman Killing Time number three. Batman number <laughs> one, two, three. Flashpoint Beyond number one. Uh, Righteous Thirst for Vengeance number seven. Featuring Batman. No, yeah. uh, I'm going to, I for sure, I'm going to check out that giant size X-Men Thunderbird and then Marauders and Once in Future. I love the Thunderbird character. I do too. And his death in spoilers in, in way back when shook me to my core. X-Men number 93. <laughs> it shook me to my core when that happened. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously kind of lingered in, in, you know, with the Warpath character yeah. and all that stuff. So yeah, I love his brother. Yes. So yeah, yeah, this is good. Oh, he has some issues this week. This bad. Past oh, does reading. he? Oh, <laughs> oh I'm sure. Last thing I was reading. I was like, oof. Okay. And that, that character's arc, or especially the Warpath, James Broadstars. Mm-hmm. Uh, character arc over the last 15 years has been incredible. Yeah. The elevation of that character through the X-Force and Uncanny X-Force stuff. And I, it's just been really great. I think but it was an X-Men anyway. Red, wasn't it, John? I think, I think so. Yeah, X-Men Red. Yeah, he has some issues. Yeah. <laughs> He's got some issues. He's always had some issues. <laughs> he has some issues. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, with that, we have reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics Podcast. As always, you can send us comments or questions through our email podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com. We are also on Twitter at Talking Comics. TalkingComicBooks.com will return soon. Finishing stages, we promise you. Um, but you can uh, always send us questions at the email and on Twitter, too. We'd love to have them. And, uh, yeah, please send them along. Um, Bob, where can our listeners Old find you? Old-fashioned email. Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. John? At J- uh, John P. Burkle. <laughs> he forgot. Own hand. <laughs> I, almost gave my, I almost gave my You're email. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron? At Aaron J. Amos. I am at Joey Ruccinos. He was at dead underscore anchoress. So for Bob. A belated happy birthday to Jen and Sylvia Sosker and their mom, who all have the same birthday. What? Should get them on again. Uh, For John. (laughs) See you later. Aaron. Deuces. (laughs) All right. May the fourth be with you. Uh, Go see Dr. Strange this weekend. We'll be talking about it next week. And uh, until the next time on the Talking Comics podcast, to be continued.